Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Von Gehr Consulting Group's podcast. This episode will discuss expectations for your customer experience, as well as a bad customer experience we had as customers. And as you can tell, we're a tad bit under the weather. It's been raining a lot. It is New England. And you know what? It's kind of like England when it rains. Anyway, kick back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. What is your customer experience expectation? Every business expects their customers to have a particular experience when they come into their store, find them online, talk to them over the phone, or have interactions with their sales force in the field. There is an expectation that the business has for the customer to experience the products and services. The same is true when it comes to social media. Social media is the buzz these days for businesses both large and small. As a medium, it allows for these businesses to invest time and money to engage customers and potential clients. It's almost like free advertising, except for your investment of time and an individual to actually deal with it. Whole departments are being built and new companies are being founded to guide messaging into the social media realm. The focus is on listening to the customers, engaging with the customers, and then converting them into a sale, a referral, or a fan. There are lots of ways to build social media. There are lots of plans out there. There are a lot of ways to do it. Yet, in all of those methods, none of them so far have addressed the customer experience. What is the customer experience expectation when they interact with your business in a social media well? What do they expect the experience of the customer to be? Now, I grant you, they expect the customer to either click and purchase something or you know, contact a sales representative, sign up for an assessment, whatever it may be. There, there are specific calls to action, but those aren't necessarily the experience. Those are the calls to action. If you've ever played sports, you know that you, to win a game, the most successful players visualize before the game every aspect of how the game is going to be played how each play of the game will unfold from the first whistle to the last, how each catch will make will lead to success, or how uh, uh, you in particular, if you've played sports, will rise to the occasion during difficult times. Top athletes do this for every competition. They can see themselves and they experience, they expect for each moment of the game. It's the same thing when it comes to your customer. What do you expect their experience to be when they interact with you online? Now, and a recent experience by an author uh, of another blog had with Best Buy demonstrated that large companies haven't really necessarily thought through what that experience is going to be. While Best Buy does have a Twitter presence, they've got some assigned Twitter uh, accounts and profiles uh, to engage customers. They don't necessarily have it all the way down to the local level. And this particular blogger, her name is Amber, she uh, was trying to find out if a product was available at her local Best Buy store. And she called and called and called the store. Nobody answered. So she finally went on Twitter and she complained about it. So right there, you've got two bad customer experiences going on. The first, can't get a product that she wants. The second, can't get anybody from the store to answer the phone. So she complains about it on Twitter. Now, the Twitter account uh, for Best Buy sees that comes up on their searches and they interact with Amber. And they discovered that you know Amber's looking for a particular product, but this person uh, from from Twitter can't, uh, I mean from Best Buy on Twitter, can't help Amber out because she's not at the local store. She's at a headquarters someplace else on the planet. 
So right there, Amber has three negative customer experiences. And the expectation for this large business in the social realm was that they were to help Amber out, but they really couldn't help Amber with what she needed, having a local presence on Twitter to answer her questions. So, and there are lots of drawbacks to, uh, to social media in this area when it's all centralized in one location and one department. So how can your business fill this void to be a little bit different? Remember that even in social media realm, you're dealing with people. Even if it's over the web, there's someone else on the other side of the engagement. You would not have a sales representative or customer service representative just shout out nonsense at your customers in person. It's the same thing when it comes to the Twitterverse, Facebook, etc. Because basically, that's it. That, that would be insane. So you need to build a social media plan around the fact that it's people talking to people. Now, before you even make contact, envision what those conversations are going to be like. It's like in a sales call, you pre-call plan that, that sales call with the expectation of certain things playing out during that sales call. It's the same thing when it comes to a conversation of engagement with your customers or potential clients in the social media space. This will help anticipate questions. It'll help those who are part of the engagement process for your organization listen. It's a very important part of social media as well as um, it allows them to kind of focus on providing uh, solutions to their particular problems. Now, you also have to measure what the customer experience is as part of your metrics. So we're measuring conversions of clicks, we're measuring click-through rates to your website, maybe calls, uh, warm leads, whatever it is, you also have to measure what that experience is like. Do people, when they interact with your social media presence, have a positive experience or a negative experience. So that has to be part of your metric planning as well as your assessments. And of course, you need to journal your customer experiences you have had. Incorporate it into your social media plan. Improve the ones that you liked and avoid the play of the ones that sucked. That's pretty much like anything else. Make sure you have a lot of information out there to know what a good customer experience is like. All things being equal, customers refer, purchase, and follow people that they like. It's the same thing in the old days of sales. It's the same thing in the new world of sales with social media. And that is because the customer experience is the most important factor in that equation. I like to go to Nordstrom's. I don't buy a lot from Nordstrom's, but I love the customer experience I have in Nordstrom's. And I will tell anybody, go to Nordstrom's. It's the same thing. And if you're a large organization, you should, if you can, embrace social media down to the local level. Decentralize it from your departments, decentralize it from your marketing department, decentralize it from headquarters down to the local level. And a great example is Domino's Pizza in Chicago has done that. They allow the local franchisers to do their own social media within you know certain constraints, but it's all down at the local level and they're able to respond to their problems, successes, and questions from their customers very, very quickly and it's relative to their local marketplace. So in wrapping up, what your customer experience expectation should be is one of the most important factors of building out a social media plan. If you have not done that, it's not that it's not bad. You can continue to do what you're doing, just add it as part of your plan. And your customers will have a better experience and they will rant and rave and become fans of your success. Recently, I had the bad experience of being on the opposite end of a sales call. It was a sales failure, actually. And I want to give you some four steps to make it better. 
Uh, recently, I was approached over the phone by a company that wanted to have me purchase a keyword advertisement for life on their new search engine. The idea being that uh, my company would have a preferred ad placement when someone searched on specific keywords like, say, business coaching, corporate coaching, corporate training, etc. And that for a few thousand dollars up front, I could lock in uh, the that keyword on their search engine. And if you think about it, for the long-term ROI, uh, it's compared to uh, the pay-per-click advertising that you do on Google, which could add up very, very quickly, as I can attest to my first bill. Uh, there, that you know, for a few grand up front, you would avoid thousands and thousands of dollars of doing pay-per-click down the road. It's a pretty straightforward proposition from this company, which was using cold calling sales techniques though to get the business. Great proposition, bad sales approach. There are mountains of papers. There are tons of books, pamphlets, newsletters, and blog posts galore that talk about the horrible cold calling technique and how it just sucks. And it does, it really does suck. Cold calling is not the preferred methodology when it comes to sales. People hate it when they have to do it and when it's done to them. Yet at some point in every business, it does happen. And so it happened to me this time. This time. Now being a former sales guy, I am always eager to be sold to, as all salespeople are. We are the most gullible, according to one of my old bosses. Uh, I am looking, the reason why I like it is I'm looking for reasons to, to, to part with my cash. Yeah, that's one, that's one thing. But as well, uh, is I'm looking uh, to learn. I can always learn from other salespeople about how to do things and how not to do things. I get to listen to their probing techniques. I get to learn how they handle my objections and how they swoop in for the close. I really enjoy waiting for that, that moment. It's a great chance to receive a sales education. So that is why I was completely heartbroken when I uh, told this particular salesperson my objection to buying their products and services, and they just hung up on me. They just hung up. The salesperson didn't even try to clarify the objection that I had, and it was price. Uh, nor did they try to find a way to make me a better offer, and they left me feeling, well, quite inadequate. And it's led to now a blog post and this podcast that I was not worthy of being their customer, which is my money is not good enough to be fought for. That part really ticked me off. Now for this country, uh, I'm sorry, for this company, I was not the ideal customer, most likely. When they got their target list for their cold calls, I fell onto it somehow. The salesperson did not build a relationship which is hard to do over the phone, but they didn't even try. And there was not even an effort to understand what it is my business does and how their services really could be of value to me. And all of these are fatal flaws of the cold call. The result for this company has been to insult a person who may not be an ideal customer, but who is now motivated to negatively talk about the experience, which I am. How can your business avoid this fatal mistake, especially if you have to do some cold calling? Well. Train your sales team to be ready for pushback. Objections are part of every sales call. In fact, I was told if you don't get an objection, you're not successful in sales because objection means the person is listening. And uh, objections mean that the person is engaged with the salesperson during the presentation. And it means the customer is looking for a reason of value to purchase the goods and services that you're offering. It means that a conversation is taking place, and heaven forbid, perish the thought, and that in a sales call, there's a conversation. So. You should always train your teams for that inevitable pushback. Cleanse your call file. This is step two. Just because you have a territory, call list, or computer-generated targets does not mean that you have the right customers to call on. 
You just have the right names that met the criteria used to find these quote-unquote clients, and that's all. You have to make sure that they meet your ideal customer that your business wishes to obtain. If they do, then your pre-call plan how you should engage in conversation, visualize, going back to the previous part of this podcast, what the experience is going to be, and what you can expect to happen. You provide the four steps to ideal customer service during the call and afterwards, and this little bit of effort before the call will result in a tremendous amount of success at long-term sales. But it all starts back with identifying the ideal customer. And just because someone's on a list doesn't necessarily mean that they are the ideal customer. Third, train your sales staff to be human. And during the sales call, the guy was kind of reading off a script and was basically uh, speaking at me in three to five second bursts like a machine gun. Most people will say that they are not salespersons and they don't want to be pushy in sales. And that's not what sales is about. Sales is not about being pushy. It's about asking for things. Remember in a sales call, someone's going to buy something. Either the person you're presenting to is going to buy your products or services, or you, as the person who's presenting, are going to buy your client's objection, whatever it may be. So there's a sales call going on. But every time you ask someone to do something for you, ask for a favor, you ask for your, your significant other to pick up milk on their way home, that's a sales call. You have to give them a reason to go out of their way to do something for you. And that's what a sales call is. It's a human conversation. So unless you cannot carry a conversation, and most people can, then you can perform sales. And while uh, money is being uh, spent testing scripts, phrases, charts, benefits, statements, and pretty pictures by the marketing team, it is up to the salesperson to communicate that information. So please do it as a human being, even though it may be a script, personalize it, let it be part of you, and put it. finally put the script down, be yourself, and have a conversation. Lastly, avoid cold calling at all costs. It is a horrible way to do business, and it's a long-term effect is negative perception for the short-term gain that you may get. Hence, this company I'm talking about, although I'm not naming their name, they have a pretty negative reputation in my eyes and everyone else I've talked to so far. If you are forced to go this road, then train your staff to research their targets before they call them and try to build rapport about the business as quickly as possible, or you're going to get blogs and podcasts like this. Very, very true. This most likely was not the intended outcome for the company that had contacted me, um, yet this is what they get in return when they train their sales teams effectively and when they... And what you can get is basically by learning from their mistakes is how not to do it. So, wrap it up. Train your sales team, cleanse your call file, train your sales staff to be human, and avoid calling costs. Avoid cold calling at all costs. Well, that concludes another podcast from the Von Gehr Consulting Group. You can follow us on Twitter at Von CG. We even have a fan page on Facebook at Von CG Alliance. Of course, you can find out more about us at www.vongairconsulting.com. And if need be, let us be a lion in your corner and roar your business success. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.